Sudan and South Sudan. Two separate countries in Africa, independent from Egypt and the UK in 1956, independent from each other in 2011, making South Sudan the world's newest nation. Sudan is a mixture of all these people with the incoming tribes, either from Arabia, West Africa, or North Africa, and across the desert into the Sudan. In this part of the continent, you'll find dry, sun-baked deserts. Dust storms called habubs. Swamps, lush forests, the Nile River and the Red Sea. Immense natural resources and varied wildlife, including the white-eared cob, you know, that small, rare antelope found only in this part of Africa. For both countries, however, the last several decades have been marred by violence. War. Poverty. Famine. And unspeakable cruelty. Human trafficking and lawless lands. All of which makes the work that Lift Up the Vulnerable does so important. They work in both of these nations with dedicated indigenous leaders who have lived through their own trauma, who have chosen to stand for freedom and dignity, providing protection, education, economic development, and perspective for the precious people of Sudan and South Sudan. On this very special day, we welcome Audrey Moore and Rob Riggs, as my guests here on the Edge of Adventure podcast for a look at what real love is, for a look at what it really means to stand against evil and to lift up the vulnerable. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Audrey and Rob, welcome to the program. Happy month of love, Adam. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to get to know a little bit more about what Lift Up the Vulnerable does and about this special month. We're in the month of February. We tend to think about love. Of course, we've got a Valentine's Day 
Something that caught my eye, though, about what Lift Up the Vulnerable has done and aims to do with the month of February is get back to the real meaning of love, real love, not something that's over-commercialized. Let's get things started. And Audrey, I'll toss it to you first. Audrey, of course, is the CEO at Lift Up the Vulnerable, and Rob is COO. Audrey, tell us about this very special project, sort of the overview for the month of February. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really an honor to be back on with you again, Adam, and have another conversation. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So Lift Up the Vulnerable, our acronym is LOVE, and we've adopted Valentine's Day as the International Day of Love because you should, if your acronym is LOVE, um, do all things to promote this spirit of the way that we define love is more getting back to the root of agape. Uh, which is an old-fashioned Greek word, which no one uses anymore, but it means, in essence, a compassionate love, a giving love, um, a self-sacrificing love. And we want to really reclaim Valentine's Day as a way for people to be a part of growing that genuine love, a movement of genuine love, especially by sharing love with those who are vulnerable And in our world today, those who are vulnerable are often at risk to exploitation and human trafficking. And so if we can um, unite together to, you know, reclaim Valentine's Day, redefine what love is and name it as something bigger than any one relationship, but something global and generous and generative, that's what we're doing this month. We're stirring up some motion for a new way of reframing Valentine's Day. That's the voice of Audrey Moore. She's CEO at Lift Up the Vulnerable. Let's give an overview for people who are hearing about you for the first time. And I'll toss this question to Rob. What's the overall objective for Lift Up the Vulnerable? Lift Up the Vulnerable's mission at its core is to prevent trafficking and oppression of vulnerable children and women and empower them to be change makers in their communities. Lift Up the Vulnerable is an international mission uh, organization that prevents trafficking and oppression in specifically conflict zones, in this case, uh, Sudan and South Sudan, um, which have been marked for decades with extreme violence and extreme poverty, leading to the types of trafficking that we are trying to prevent that include kidnapping of children as soldiers, child soldiers sold into sex slavery, and very often trapped into forced labor. And so we approach the problem and the solution through a holistic empowerment model. And what that means is we work through indigenously led organizations on the ground who have a proven track record of effectively navigating and building the partnerships and the necessary protective devices for the work to continue through this model, which includes three main pillars, education, protection, and economic development. That's Rob Riggs. He is COO and part of the leadership team at Lift Up the Vulnerable. And as we think about education, and Rob just mentioned education as being one of the key pillars of of what you do. Audrey, I'll ask you, help me and help us understand why the education key is so important and how Lift Up the Vulnerable addresses it. 
Yeah, that's great. So in the unique situations that we're working in, in the countries of Sudan and South Sudan, because they've been in war or conflict for so long, over five decades, it's really devastated all infrastructure in the nation. And the reality is that 70% of school-aged children don't have access to education. That just exponentially increases their vulnerability rates and their exploitation, um, among a host of other things. Their, the, the extreme poverty in the nations, the illiteracy, the food crisis, their uh, systemic and systematic kind of points for children and women and all community people to really suffer. And what our hope is and our, our agenda is to offer different approaches to, depending on the unique needs in the communities, but across the board, the unique need is this education component. It's more likely for a 13-year-old girl to die in childbirth than to learn to read and write. And we just want to make a total shift in that uh, statistic. And we are seeing, you know, we, we educate in our program almost 1,500 students. So it's our largest trafficking prevention program. Uh, it's the largest way that we're addressing the needs and our schools are holistic in their approach. And so the children are receiving two meals a day, and it may be the only two meals a day that they eat if they live at home. They are also receiving medical support, which is widely not available. They receive, you know, clothing and uniforms, school shoes, school supplies. And it's with the impetus and the hope and the goal of empowerment. We want to see these children be raised up to be empowered change makers of their communities. And education is a number one way that that happens. Tell me the difference that it makes in the child's life when they are blessed and have the opportunity to participate and be sheltered in your program. What's that change like and what's their life like? Yeah, let me tell you about a girl called Liz because we, we like to protect the identities of the children. But Liz was seven years old when her father died due to an unknown disease. There's like the two top reasons that a child is orphaned in our network from our data is number one, due to violence, and number two, due to unknown diseases or this lack of medical infrastructure and medical support. Liz and her extended family uh, were already in living in poverty, but when a two-parent family in poverty uh, loses one of those parents, they automatically enter extreme poverty. It's just there's just so few infrastructure resources in Sudan and South Sudan, and there's few places to go for support. So overburdened, really, by this extreme poverty, they were unable to. They're not able to feed the mouths of all the children, and her extended family really didn't have any way that they could help. There wasn't any security they could offer. There wasn't any food. There was a growing hopelessness, and there wasn't anywhere else for her to go, like in other nations. So orphaned girls growing up in Sudan and South Sudan, too, face so many hardships. And maybe last year, a report named South Sudan as the worst country to be a girl because of um, the lack of value on females. And the, you know, the, I said, spoke earlier about how child brides are still a real reality, and it's more likely for girls to die young 
than to be educated. All of this was facing seven-year-old, just seven years old, Liz. But because leaders like James Luwala Talk and, and the other directors at our in our Indigenous uh, network, they have a vision and a passion to see lives transformed, and they have this vision and passion to see hope being restored. She had somewhere to go. And so she was welcomed in at seven years old to our protection and education empowerment program. As she grew and learned, you know, had a safe place to live, had a safe place to heal, had security and people assuring her that she was wanted and valued, the adverse childhood experiences that she had, they will always be informing her life, but they, they, they don't have to inform her decisions. And she had someone to invest in and grow her resiliency. And so last year, she graduated from high school. And we are so delighted for all of the girls that, you know, come, all of the students, we're so delighted for all, <laughs> all students that come through our program. But to see that trajectory of how hopelessness to something that was impossible is now possible. That's what we, we say that a lot because we experience that a lot in our work that these things are impossible. It's an impossible situation in Sudan and South Sudan, but possible is being made our new reality. Special thanks to my two guests today, Audrey and Rob, both of whom are joining us from the leadership team. Reach out, help them out, make a donation here during this month of February, the month of love. In order to understand the fundraiser, exactly what this project is and how much the overall cost is, what it's going to do, I'm going to turn it over to Audrey. So during our Month of Love campaign, we want to create an opportunity to make sharing about the children in Sudan and South Sudan both simple, super simple, and the impacts you can make tremendous. And so the way that we're doing that is through this uh, fund a class because education is a key component in preventing trafficking. And we support over 30 different elementary school classes. Uh, we're working together, pooling our resources, pooling our energy, both to give and also to share. So you can give a donation to the campaign directly. And when you go to our website, there's actually, the, there sometimes is a pop-up that will come. Uh, our website is liftupthevulnerable.org. But you'll also see the month of love in the navigation. And so you'll click on month of love and you'll be ushered into your opportunity to impact lives. And when you do so, your gifts will help us fund uh, our elementary school program, one, one class for a whole year. Average class sizes vary depending on the location, but they can be up to 40 children. It provides them with two school meals a day. The uniforms, supplies, medicines include staffing. Um, and so we're in empowering and providing job opportunities for local leaders Inclusive in our in providing a uniform, it's also providing job opportunities for, for women to learn tailoring skills and helping further our economic empowerment and development programs. So it's really when you do you think you're making a $25 gift to buy some chalk 
<laughs> for a whole year, but it's so much bigger and you're impacting so many more lives, lives like Liz, who has gone through our program and graduated last year and many other children, you know, that are currently in our elementary school program. They're going to benefit and there's little inputs in a child's life where we can, we collectively, um, you and I and our leaders all of us working together to remind children who have suffered extreme trauma, because many of them, even though they may not have been trafficked, because our focus is prevention of trafficking, by living in Sudan and South Sudan, they've experienced trauma. There's some trauma that they have had to endure. And this opportunity gives you the chance to say, no, no, your life matters, and you are going to be the hope for the future. You're listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. I'm Adam Asher, and we'll get back to my conversation with Audrey Moore and Rob Riggs of Lift Up the Vulnerable in just a moment. But I wanted to take a quick second and invite you to join an amazing group of people in the new mobile app and community called Rugged Compass. If I were to describe Rugged Compass as an app, I'd say it's a bit of a blend. It's a lot like those other social media platforms. You can post pictures and videos. You can share links to things of interest. It has podcasts built in, and we even do live events in the app. But what really makes it special is the fact that this community is exclusively devoted to those who seek adventure and purpose, those who have a heart for the world, its culture, languages, its diversity, its people. If these are things that you care about, and I suspect you do, then you should join us in Rugged Compass. It's the social media network that matters, one that inspires, one without all the garbage. There's no cost to join, and you can download Rugged Compass from your app store, or you can look for it at ruggedcompass.com. That's ruggedcompass.com. Now back to my conversation with Audrey Moore and Rob Riggs of Lift Up the Vulnerable as we learn more about the month of love and their very important work in the countries of Sudan and South Sudan, right here on the Edge of Adventure podcast. Audrey and Rob from Lift Up the Vulnerable, one of the things I like about what you do, you work with the people on the ground that know the culture and know the lay of the land and they know what works and what doesn't and they work with you and it's a partnership, but their ability to bring their skills and their know-how to lift up the vulnerable is crucial. So tell me about the concept of working with people on the ground that know what it takes. I think this is actually one of the most, if not the most important aspect of what makes love's work work. We can't do anything without the leadership and the direction of the indigenous leaders, staff members, everybody that's a part of their centers. Because essentially in uh, Sudan and South Sudan, the local is what matters. You know, conflicts can erupt at any time. And in many cases, and this is why I said this is critical for um, the success of, of what we do, 
in many cases, when these types of conflicts flare up, which they do regularly, if the organization that's providing support is made up of expatriates, uh, they leave. Whereas in our case, we don't because the heart and soul of this entire mission are the the sons and daughters of the nation. And that's the words of, that's a, a paraphrase of Peter Lamago. He uses this phrase often. And I'm just inspired by that. And I think that's the secret of, to success, that they know the grassroots environment where they're working. So they're able to be flexible. They're able to build networks of protection and support within their own communities because they are members of those communities. That's the voice of Rob Riggs. He's joining me today from Lift Up the Vulnerable. Also with us, Audrey Moore. They're both leadership at this organization. They care very much about the work that Lift Up the Vulnerable does and the people that they protect and the people that they help to rescue and serve and bring back to a place of hope and life and a future. If you want to find out more and if you want to give, which I encourage you to do so, if you feel so led, go to liftupthevulnerable.org, liftupthevulnerable.org. And you're looking for the link to the month of love. Audrey, what is love? I would say genuine love is going back to that root. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the program, this, uh, this heart of agape which is a word that's not used, but it's Greek. And it, you know, there, there's that idiom that you love your cat, you love pizza and you love your husband. So how do you know what love is? <laughs> um, but if we can kind of think of it in another language, uh, like the Greek word agape, it brings it down. That's what we're talking about when we say love, that we love, a com it's a compassionate love. It's a self-sacrificing uh, love. It's a generous love. And I will always believe that generosity inspires generosity and generosity is generative. It's, it's the nature of it, that it, it doesn't lack. There's no lack of it. It's just overflowing and abundant. And we want people, you know, to be a part of that. We, we, we want to experience, I want to experience it. And by being generous as much as I can this day, you know, in this moment, with my resources, with my life, with my time, with my words, with my relationships. When, I, when I'm generous with my life, I'm, I'm inspired by the generosity of others. And I can see you, even in the kids that we're working with, they're inspired by generosity and want to continue to help in their communities because of the help that they've received. And I think it's really linked to empowerment, that empowered people empower people. And if we can all be a part of something bigger than ourselves, that's the love that we're inviting you to this month of love and beyond this month of love. And for more information and to give and to help them in this particular project, go to the website, liftupthevulnerable.org. I want to go to theedgeofadventure.com. That's what you're looking at here. And this is the page that had the previous podcast. We obviously met before, talked, we had a very meaningful conversation, and I encourage everybody to watch the video version, listen to the audio, whatever you prefer. But the opening that we used for the audio podcast, I think it was over a year when you were on the show the first time. But to this day, 
there is something very meaningful to me about this opening clip that we used. So it's not that long, but I'm going to play it, and I would like everyone to listen carefully to the words. This is Peter talking, and he's referencing his childhood and his responsibilities. Let's listen briefly and just get everybody's um, thoughts on this. We were born in war, and we grew in war in South Sudan. It was in dawn at 4 o'clock when the rebels came and attacked a village, and that's when I started to, to hear the sounds of a gun. So we had to flee the village and went to the caves. So we stayed in the caves having nothing to eat. So from that time, I could know that life wasn't a good thing at all. There was nothing to eat. And we could suffer as kids. Even I lost my brother when he was young in the war. Because Christ is, is the answer, I can forgive the people that have inflicted the pain in my life. Those who took the arms and fought my people and killed my people, I still have an obligation to forgive them. Life not worth living. It's one thing he said that when he was reflecting back on his life as a child, there was nothing to eat. He's talking about the war and his brother being killed. And he knew then that life was not worth living. Compare that to what he would tell us today. Audrey. Mm -hmm. Peter is one of the most hopeful persons and enthusiastic, encouraging, and embraceive of all like new ideas and new innovations. He's so innovative. And to know that he felt so hopeless as a child, it's the story that we hear all the time, honestly. Are the children that he's protecting he hears that from them when they before they receive protection from our other leaders. Some of our other leaders were child soldiers. Some of them were late in labor trafficking. This hopelessness is both real and not real. You know that it's the real lived experience of most of the people in Sudan and South Sudan. But when hope penetrates it. That's where the transformation takes place when Christ's love penetrates that hopelessness. That's when redemption takes place. And so Peter would speak very honestly and openly that it's it was his faith and faith journey and the the intervention of grace that he experienced uh, as he left as a young boy. He he walked uh, as a child from South Sudan to Uganda, looking for a better life. He always had this hunger drive for more and more and more, for something that was more real, the real real. He was always looking for the really real. And I think that that's really exciting about where he started and where he is today, because they're two completely different perspectives on life. And he is he's a hope bearer. Now I'm going to ask Rob then to 
comment on another concept in that little clip that is very, very personal when you think about a guy whose story involves seeing his brother killed as a child and all the other things he lost. And I'm sure if we went into his story, there's so many things. But he said he had a responsibility to forgive them. Rob, talk to me about forgiveness and is it powerful? You are touching on one of my deepestly held beliefs, <laughs> which is that forgiveness, as the simplest definition that I can say about it, that I understand it at a deep level to mean is laying down your right to revenge intentionally. To do that and to do that consistently, I think it's superhuman. I think that's the way we have to think of it. And Peter is driven by his faith and the teachings of Christianity. He's directly pulling from that to find healing from levels of trauma that are um, unmatched in most places in the world today. And so I think that to be able for him to be able to say it, and then we, we, he's our colleague and he's an inspiring individual. Audrey said a lot about him just now, and I don't have to repeat it, but I will say I echo everything she said a thousand percent. A person that exudes joy, that to me is the result of laying down your right to take revenge because you rip out that bitter root that is there that takes root in our hearts when we hold those grudges and joy replaces it and hope and we're we've seen this and we've seen it peter's leading the way at his location but there are hundreds of stories we've seen of this same transformation and that's why we say that the work we're doing is transformational so that the children and the women that we are serving and supporting will become change makers in their society. I don't believe that with the levels of trauma and the bitterness and the pain that that uh, incurs on an individual, it's possible for most people to be those change makers without that type of transformation. So you know, forgiveness is taught by all of our leaders and all of the staff. It's part of the curriculum. It's top down and bottom up. And I think that that's just a, an, an amazing thing to be a part of and to behold. And it's frankly, really humbling. It's so true. And those, your words and Peter's words and grasping the power of real forgiveness, it's an important part of life. And it is certainly an important part of the work that you all do in Africa and Sudan and South Sudan with lift up the vulnerable. The other thing too, that I like to say on the edge of adventure is I share if an organization and their work ministers to you in some way, there's something about it. There's a special tie, reach out to them, encourage them, let them know that you appreciate, you know, if you can support them financially, you do so, but even to pray for them and, and to let them know that you hear them and you see them and you, you appreciate what they're doing. Those things matter too, to a team that's working so hard, like Audrey's team and Rob's team, both in the States and around the world. Audrey, let me ask you, what is the perspective of these children and these women in Sudan and South Sudan? who are being protected and taught, educated and cared for. What's their perspective of the people from around the world who are 
seeking to help them and investing in them? The very first trip that I took to South Sudan was in 2006, and it was at the height of the Darfur genocide. And the students there were, it was a new program. They were just entering into some temporary school structures. Before that, they were learning under the trees. So they saw like the first, they saw the first step of generosity in their lives. They saw a temporary school building, um, which would then grow to be a a tremendously big infrastructure at New Life Ministry. But I remember uh, another girl, um, it was at the end of our time, and it wasn't because we were visitors per se. I I don't want to set up the framework that by going, we're the heroes because we're not. But what this young child said to me, her name is also Elizabeth. Um, She said to me, before you came, we didn't know that we were being seen or heard, but because you've come, we feel heard by God. And to be even a small part of God's grace in that is, is really important. You know, they feel that way because the indigenous directors and the indigenous leaders also are there seeing them hearing them day in and day out, wiping, wiping their tears, you know, helping them with all things. But to have a child know that they are heard and loved and protected and before not know that, but to see that transformation where now today they know because they know the world is supporting them. Literally, they think that, you know, everyone from New York because Rob is there, everyone from New York is, you know, on their side, (laughs) which is not necessarily a New York thing. (laughs) Clearly, because of the people that have impacted their lives, that means even more that they don't know about have impacted their lives. And so it's just really exciting and really encouraging to see that shift from hopelessness, like we were speaking with Peter, to hopeful for the future. There's something inspiring about all of this, and there's something that's very much mutual inspiration, because I know from what you're saying, and and I can imagine what it must mean to the kids and the women to know that New York is on their side for crying out loud. You know, what that must mean to them to know that there are people who are on their side when maybe there was a moment in their life when nobody was on their side, and now there is that's inspiring for them. Okay. And yet, which is what we're about to watch in this video. And the reason why I wanted to close out the program with this is when you look at these students and you hear their words, they inspire you, right? It's mutual, as I say. So let's close out with this video. It's called, What is a Hero? And this is something that Lift Up the Vulnerable produced. This is their video. Let's run this video then we'll, we'll come back and say our goodbyes. What is a hero? A hero is a person who is strong and who normally defeat, defeat in any of the attack. That is good. A hero is a person who has done a great thing. A hero is a, is a, a great person who, who is uh, admired for, him, for his achievements and braver, braver. I wish to become a pharmacist in order to give the right medications to the people. And a hero is a person who is admired by many people because of his goodness. And in my study or in my future, I would like to be a pastor because to solve or to bring people who are confused and who don't know more about Jesus so that they may change their life and 
I'll inherit the internal life. A hero is a person who fights for his own country in order to get, to get peace in the country. So in my future time, I want to become an accountant in order to save people's money in the bank. Uh, a hero is a bright leader who does something to the people. Uh, in my future to come, I wish to be a nurse because I see uh, many patients in the hospitals doesn't have cares. So I wish to be a nurse so that I may care for them. Audrey, Rob, thank you both for what you do, for taking the time. Yeah, well, thank you, Adam. I mean, this is a, a wonderful experience. Thank you for everyone that joined to listen in and it's going to check us out and participate in, you know, generously outpouring of love. We want to reclaim Valentine's Day and we need your help to do it. So thank you for taking the time to be a part of this. Thank you so much, Adam. It's really a pleasure and honor to have a chance to talk about what we do and to share it with more people and invite many more of you to to join us in this. Uh, we're an invitational mission. We want, we're inviting you because we believe in it and we're just so, we're honored to be a part of it because we're so inspired by it. We want others to be inspired by it. So thank you. Thank you so much. And please go to our website and consider how you may be able to, uh, to join us in this. Liftupthevulnerable.org. That's liftupthevulnerable.org. And you're looking for the link that says Month of Love. Special thanks to Audrey Moore and Rob Riggs, both of whom have been my guest today. Thanks to Lift Up the Vulnerable for their time tonight and also all that they're doing for the wonderful people of South Sudan and Sudan in Africa. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag theedgeofadventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. Mm -hmm.